and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we are going to be talking about Nehemiah, and we're looking at an introduction to the overall book, understanding some of the themes, understanding the first chapter, and really Nehemiah's role in the greater Old Testament. I'm excited for today. I hope you are too as we start a new series, Fearless, looking at the book of Nehemiah. So grab your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah, and let's dive in. So today we find ourselves looking at the book of Nehemiah, and one of the things that I love to do whenever starting a new book is really go through an in-depth introductory to the overall book, understanding the author, the names of uh, the people in the book, key themes and topics, even key verses and chapters that really dictate a whole lot of what's going on in the overall book itself. I find it helps as we start a new series, especially on Nehemiah, that we start to understand these things. And for those history buffs up there, we can get to know a bit more of the historical context as to what is going on at the time. So we find ourselves looking at Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, as far as we know, has several contemporaries that he is working with. We know that the prophet Malachi, as well as the priest Ezra, are contemporaries of Nehemiah, meaning that they are all in the same place at the same time, and they all have different ministries. I think this is one of the more important facts that sometimes we overlook, is here you have Ezra, you have Nehemiah, and you have Malachi, all functioning in different roles where God has given them giftings. For Malachi, it is that of a prophet and speaking truth into the life of the people. For Ezra, It is that priest and really leading that revival. And for Nehemiah, it is a lot more day-to-day operations. It is planning the building of the wall of Jerusalem, getting everyone organized. And so a lot more day-to-day logistics. I think it's a great picture of how you look at church life and what that is also supposed to look like. Because you see people with all different giftings. Yes, there is the pastor up at the front who is speaking on a Sunday, but there are so many moving parts and so many different giftings within the church family that you can see that when all work together, what can get accomplished? So understanding Nehemiah and the author himself, we know, like I said, he's a contemporary of Ezra and Malachi. We know that he was the cupbearer to the king of Persia. And he leads the third and final return to Jerusalem from Babylonian exile. Often we get this mixed up and we think that Nehemiah saw saw Jerusalem in ruins and said, you know what, it's time that we go back. While in fact, there had already been two other waves of, of Jewish people who had gone back to Jerusalem to build the wall. It's Nehemiah who sees Nothing's been getting done and says, you know what? I'm going to take it into my own hands. I'm going to go to the king after he gets a report from his friends. So he understands that that Jerusalem walls are rubble. The gates are on fire. And he says, I'm going to do something about it. But he is in the third wave of exiles returning from Babylon. He has that general concern for Jerusalem and challenges the Israelites to build the wall of Jerusalem. So much of this is about it. Now, 
One of the key things that we see in Nehemiah is there's opposition from outside groups. We see that there's opposition from different nations and groupings outside of Jerusalem, people who did not want Jerusalem to be fortified because it meant that they would grow strong. There's opposition from outside, but there is also abuse that is happening from within. One of the things that we know is that that people were building their own homes and they were living good lives, but they had completely ignored the task that they were originally put there for. Inevitably, the wall is built in 52 days. And when they see how much can be accomplished when they work together, it really leads to revival and a reformation. And that took years. That wasn't just an overnight thing, but there was that start of saying, yes, God has given us different gifts, our, given our families different gifts. How are we able to use them? And out of that came revival. It came reformation in many ways. Now, Nehemiah himself, the name means comfort of Jehovah or God, my comforter, could also be translated in. It's named after the main character in our story, which is chapter 1, verse 1. It says that right off the beginning. Now, we see in the Septuagint where we have Ezra and Nehemiah is actually second Ezra's. All right. And so they're so tied together. And I'll get to that in just a little bit about how close they're really tied when we look at the time frame and and the dates that are happening here. In the Latin, it's actually just referred to as the second book of Ezra. Or it is also referred to as the book of Nehemiah. There's two different ways in which it's seen. We recognize that the author is Nehemiah. We recognize that, but because it's tied so closely to Ezra, a lot of the historians and biblical scholars put the two together when they were originally putting the canon together. Now, what do we know about Nehemiah? We know that these are his personal personal memoirs. We know that he is very candid about what he thinks, and he gives a very vivid uh, picture as to what is going on, which I love. We see at the very beginning, and actually multiple times uh, in the in different sections, that these are the words of Nehemiah. Right from chapter one, we see that in chapter twelve, we see this, and in chapter thirteen, the words of Nehemiah. We know that it is also most likely that Ezra wrote two sections. Uh, compiled probably by using Nehemiah's records and Nehemiah's diary, if you will. And those two sections are from chapter 7 to chapter 12 and from chapter 12, verse 44 to chapter 13, verse 3. So we can see that, I mean, most people will say that all in all, and I agree with this, that Nehemiah was the complete author, but we can also understand that that there was, whatever it was, it was taken from the words of Nehemiah himself. We know that he was the cupbearer of Artaxerxes I, a position of great trust and an advisor to the king. We know that uh, Nehemiah was governor of Jerusalem from 444 to 432 BC. 
He was a man of character. He was a godly layman, and he encourages, he rebukes, he prays, and he gives glory to God. All very important things and all a great challenge, and this is why I love this book, is it is so relatable to where we are in today's culture. And it challenges us as individuals to say, what gifts has God given me? What is godly character and how can I be a a godly layman in in church life? But it also, and, and this is a very important part of the book of Nehemiah, and one that we will be focusing on as we go through the chapters ahead, is saying, if the world seems that it's not like it used to be, how do we respond? That's what got Nehemiah in this whole position in the first place, is saying, I heard the stories of Jerusalem. I heard the stories of Solomon's temple and the beauty before exile. Now, I hear of Jerusalem and the walls are crumbled. The gates are on fire. There is no temple. What am I going to do about it? As we look at our culture right now, and we could probably say the same things. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. Well, what are we going to do about it? And... And as we go forward, we're going to see that one of the key things is that it is about changing the culture. And that starts by changing the individuals in that culture. It's not changing the organizations within that culture. It's saying, how do we change the heart of those who are uh, in government and change the heart of those who are in different positions to say, to reflect that at the heart of God? This all started with a stirring in Nehemiah's heart saying that he wanted his, he wanted change. He wanted something different. And now we start to see how this responds, how he responds. If we're looking at the overall setting of Ezra and Nehemiah, as mentioned, it's during the reign of Artaxerxes I. And really, Esther is, from the book of Esther, Esther is Artaxerxes' stepmother. So putting this into perspective of the whole biblical timeline, and one of the things that I like to encourage is when you start Nehemiah to read the book of Esther, because Esther's really where we see that first God stirring in the heart of Esther, this Jewish maiden who he brings into the palace and puts in a position where she can make a difference. And that really started the wave of people saying, you know what, we long to return to God. So, so Nehemiah leaves Persia in the 20, 20th year of Artaxerxes, and he returns to Persia in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes. He then leaves again for, uh, then he leaves for Jerusalem in about 425. And this is written after the second Jerusalem visit. And, and as far as historical reliability, and this is all that I, I, I love this stuff. We can see that, you know, how do we know that this is not just a fairy tale? How how do we know that this is not just a story of, you know, let's learn a lesson, a fable, if you will? Well, we have several historical records that actually tell us that Nehemiah was who he was and that he was the governor of Judah and of Jerusalem. We see this in a historical record uh, called Elephantine Papyri or the, the Elephantine Papyra, which is from Egypt around the 5th century. We also know that from other historical records from around the region, non-Israel, we see from some Sanballat, we see from Jehonahan, which is all different 
uh, scrolls that tell historical records and all indicate that Nehemiah was the governor uh, at that time. So we can understand that there's historical records that are happening. Now, we find ourselves, because of Malachi, we know that we're around 400 years before Christ's return. Or sorry, for Christ's arrival, I should say, uh, and Christmas as we know it. And so we're about 400 years before this all happens. Now, when we look at Nehemiah and we look at Ezra, we see that there are some things. One, they had a close ministry association. Ezra was in charge of spiritual revival, while Nehemiah was in charge of physical and political and moral reform. Likewise, the moral part was also spoken into the people's lives by Malachi, who was the prophet of God. We know, again, that it ends the Old Testament historical account of things, which seems odd given its place in our Bibles, right? Our Bibles put it, the Old Testament put Nehemiah in the middle, but this is really ending the historical account of everything that's going on before we jump into the prophets, you know, and and that's what we see. Now, now that we've got some historical stuff out of the way, I want to take a brief look at the theme and kind of the purpose of what's going on here. According to Ezra, this was part of Judah's religious restoration. And Nehemiah focuses on Judah's political and geographic restoration. Chapters 1 through 7 all deals with building the walls. And Nehemiah establishes a firm civil authority. And Ezra and Nehemiah work together to see a complete restoration, not just a spiritual revival, but to see revival in physical and spiritual uh, and political forms. Now, I say this because as we look at this, and I said how relevant this is for today's culture, we, of course, can look out at our culture and we can say, well, we need a spiritual revival. But we can also say that we need a political revival and that we need, you know, physical revival in many ways. And so it's a challenge to say, how does that happen? And I love that this is not by one person alone. It's by different people using different gifts. Nehemiah was really the natural sequel to Ezra, if you're looking at it. And it's really the purpose is to show the hand of God towards his people. And I say this because... In 52 days, more was accomplished than what had been done in 94 years. All right. It was 94 years since the first wave of people had left Persia and headed to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. The first wave goes and nobody gets anything done. The second wave goes and nobody gets anything done. Then Nehemiah arrives on the scene in 52 days. Nehemiah was able to accomplish what they had done, what they hadn't done in 94 years. And and I think what we can see here and what we can learn from that is obedient faith overcame opposition. There was plenty of opposition that that we we see. And and there's pictures of spiritual revival that happened even in Nehemiah itself. One of my favorite chapters and verses in this is, I think, both from chapter 6 and from chapter 8. And I know I'm jumping ahead, but I think it's really key verses to the entire book. 
chapter 6, verse 15 and 16 says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. That picture that they have of look what happens when revival happens within the people of Israel. Look at what happens when all of a sudden there is a laser focus in our churches and what can happen. And look at the response to the nations around. I mean, they were disheartened because they realized that this could have only been done by God. And all of a sudden there's that recognition by God. Yeah, chapter 8. Verse 8 then goes on to say that they read distinctly from the book of the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them understand the reading. So the priests, and this is where Ezra comes in, Ezra read from the book of the law, and all the priests uh, exegeted and spoke and expanded on what the book of the law had said, so they could turn their focus to God. And, And it really leads to both revival within, and you see from the outside, recognition that the people of Israel truly have a God. And so what started as opposition from with, from outside Jerusalem and abuse from within has really started to bring focus. As I, as I finish up here, I think it's also good to say, you know, what are some of the key things that we've got going on here in the book? I know it's far away, but I'll tell you right now that the key chapter is chapter 9. Uh, because the it's the key to really Old Testament covenant. The nation's obedience or disobedience results in blessing or curse. And in chapter 9, Judah reaffirms its loyalty to God's covenant. And, and so we see chapter 9 as being kind of this turning point for Israel, or so we hope. We see that there's still a 400 years before Christ comes on the scene. But from the historical picture, again, this is ending our historical records of the Old Testament when we look at it chronologically. So you can see how this is actually a fairly nice ending to this, understanding that of Judah reaffirming its loyalty to the covenant of God. Nehemiah provides a very important background to that post-exilic period. You know, uh, in that time, yes, Malachi was there, but we also see Haggai and Zechariah, although they weren't around during Nehemiah's specific time, more at the beginning of uh, Ezra's. And and Haggai really is trying to get that temple built. And one of the things that we see with Haggai is he has a tough time with that because um, – He's a tough time with that for a variety of different reasons. He speaks truth into the people, yet we also see that it took a person like Nehemiah who got given giftings in that area to get things done. The last thing that I want us to talk about today, and I hope, again, you don't mind me you know, spelling the, doing a little historical stuff and, and background setting and contextual setting to this, is how this all works with Ezra Nehemiah and Esther. Okay. So the way that this works and the flow, if you really wanted to read this in chronological order, this is the way in which it would be done. The first would be Ezra chapter one through six, 
which takes place in about 538 to 515 BC. Next is Esther, where there's about a 58-year gap between the second half of Ezra. So between chapter 6 and chapter 7 of Ezra, we see the story of Esther in a chronological span. Then we see Ezra chapter 7 to 10 in Reformation that happens under Ezra. After Ezra chapter 7 through 10, we see that there is about a 13-year gap before Nehemiah arrives and we see the reconstruction under Nehemiah. So, So Ezra 7 through 10 is around 457 BC, where Nehemiah is 444. Okay, Uh, and I think that's important. You know, Ezra 1 through 6 focuses on the temple. Ezra 7 through 10 focuses on the people. And Nehemiah focuses on the walls. And it's at the beginning of Ezra chapter 1 through 6 where we see Haggai and Zechariah, if you're wondering. And and that's during that first return of people, which is about 50,000 people returning back. In Ezra chapter 7 through 10, we see about 2,000 people in the second wave returning. And then Nehemiah returns uh, in the third wave. And of course, that is with Malachi as well. Now, I hope this gives you that picture, right? Uh, This is a great picture of leadership principles, of spiritual principles, and moral and social principles as they seek to see revival for the people of Jerusalem. I think it's a very good picture as we go through this chapter by chapter, what it can look like in our culture and even in church life and in our own personal lives, both leadership principles, spiritual principles, and moral and social principles, how we lead, our relationship with God, and how we act. All very key things as we start to take a look at this. So when we talk about restoration and rebuilding, as we go through all of these chapters of Nehemiah, let's ask that question. Is there areas in our life that we need to rebuild? Is there areas in our life that we need restored? And so that's really our bound, or our jumping off point as we head into the chapters ahead. I I hope you've enjoyed kind of this brief introduction of the whole book and the historical context and background because it is so important to understanding what comes next. So if you have a chance this week, read Ezra 1 through 6, then read the book of Esther, then read Ezra chapter 7 through 10, then read the book of Nehemiah, and you will have a really good historical picture of everything that is going on during this time. Now I've given you you your reading assignment <laughs> there's there's no due date and you're not being graded on it i'm just trying to paint that picture for something that would work really well as we jump into nehemiah but we'll be jumping into the chapters next week and going through it bit by bit so until then i will say take care have a great week and i will talk to you next week Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church/welcome and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.